Amen. Thank you, uh, Kenny, for, for sharing with us our communion message. And uh, I always love hearing from Kenny and his stories and his... Kenny has a, an amazing and inspiring to me walk with God and relationship with God, intimacy with God. And so I love hearing and listening to Kenny. Where'd he go? There he is. So anyways, thank you, Kenneth. Okay, thank you. I don't know if you noticed earlier, but as I was taking the mic off the podium, I, I dropped the mic. So Robert said I should just walk off the stage. <laughs> but we got a sermon to give, so let's open up to Acts chapter 27, and we'll let God's word come out, and then we'll drop the mic and walk off the stage. Okay, um, this is our last Sunday in the text of the book of Acts. And so uh, I literally started to tear up when I finished preparing for this because I've just so enjoyed our journey through the book of Acts and joining with the Apostle Paul and the others as they have uh, followed Jesus and the formation of the, the early church and, and uh, how it ends is inspiring. And uh, we're going to get in that today. We're going to look at the Acts 27 and 28 today. And we have one more sermon next week we're going to kind of put a bow on it and summarize uh, the whole book, but this is the last Sunday in, in the text itself, okay? So let me start my uh, timer. Put that away. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, uh, a lot of times when we think of Christianity as a religion, or maybe we think of Christianity as a adherence to a set of beliefs, or a worldview. While all those things have some truth to them, Christianity is far more an adventurous journey than a religion. Are you with me? Jesus just doesn't call us to believe in him. He calls us to follow him. And there's a big difference uh, if you've tried either or both of those. There is a large difference between the meaning of what believing in Jesus and literally following him as our Lord and Savior, and the idea of following Him sets us then on a journey through life with Jesus as our Lord and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. You know, Helen Keller said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. I think in life the greatest adventure is answering the call to follow Jesus and attempting to do just that, attempting to keep in step with the Spirit and to follow him. Sometimes we think Christianity is kind of a, is boring and it takes all the fun away. And if that's your experience, I feel for you. I'm sorry that that's been your experience. But if you really understand about following Jesus, that will be far from your experience. Amen? So we're going to learn uh, from Paul's journey to Rome, spiritual principles about our journey in following Jesus. Um, today we're going to look at uh, a journey to a destination, a journey through a storm, and then a journey with unhindered uh, boldness. So let's pick it up here in chapter 27, in verse 1. Paul has been arrested. He's been through a number of trials, five trials, which we looked at uh, last week. And so his trials now are 
for a little while over, and he's in Jerusalem, but we see this journey from, actually, uh, he's a little outside of Jerusalem. We see this journey, though, from here to Rome, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 27, verse 1. It says, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, they proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion from the Augustan cohort named Julius, and embarking in an Adramidon ship, which was about to sail to the regions along the coast of Asia, we put out to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian of, Mas of Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy, and he put us aboard it. When we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty had arrived off... Man, that's a rough one. Cindus. I don't know. Canidus. <laughs> Since the wind did not permit us to go farther, we sailed under the shelter of Crete, off Salmon, and with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Now, uh, could you start to show that map? So, I want us to see, uh, we see here that Paul is journeying, he's gone from Jerusalem to Caesarea Maritima in his trials, and now they set off from here, and they go to Sidon, up on the northern part of Cyprus, into the lower part of Asia. This part over here is, is called Asia. It's not what we refer to as Asia today, but it's Asia back then. And then uh, to Fair Havens is where we lead them off. And they're on their way then to, to Rome, okay? So where are they headed? Obviously, they're headed to Rome. You know, it's interesting, this journey idea, this journey motif in Luke's writings. Two-fifths of the Gospel of Luke. So we know that Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. So two-fifths, almost half of Luke's Gospel regarding Jesus was describing Jesus' journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem, Okay. A third, Acts 21 through 28, a third of the book of Acts is about Paul's journey from Jerusalem then to Rome. Why is so much space spent on this idea of journey? Why is there so much space spent on the details of their journey? Why, it, it, and I think that, that all throughout the scriptures we see that the Bible presents not so much a set of propositions put forth, but the Bible presents a journey to go on. Amen? God calls us to Him, and it's a journey. Jesus calls us to follow Him, and the, the disciples are set on a journey with Him. Okay? Uh, this journey idea is all throughout Scripture. Now let's talk about Paul's journey to Rome. On the surface, why is he going to Rome? Why is he going to Rome? Well, because he appealed to Caesar, and so they're like, well, okay, you're headed to Rome then, okay? 
but there's far more, uh, there's much more going on than that's on the surface. And in, on the surface of your life, why, where are you headed? Well, I'm headed to church. Where are you headed after church? Mm, basketball tournament, okay? Wherever, okay? There's, but there's far more going on deeper in our lives than what's going on on the surface. Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles, okay? Jesus has appointed him an apostle, a messenger to deliver the gospel to the Gentiles. When you, if we were to read Romans chapter 1, verse 10 through 15, and chapter 15, verse 20 through 29, we would find that there's far more deeper motivation going on with the Apostle Paul and why he wants to get to Rome. He wants to go there to strengthen the disciples. There's already a church there in Rome. and We don't exactly know how the church got there, but we do know there's some, some people from Acts chapter 2 that were from Rome. So possibly during the scattering, they went to Rome and they started a, a church there. By the way, if you haven't seen the movie, um, Paul the Apostle, which was out, put out recently. Um, you should really see it. It's really, really good. Um, it's, if you're not into religious movies because they're just incredibly, what's the word? Cheesy. Um, uh, uh, this one actually isn't. It's, it, I would highly recommend it. It's really good. And I think it would go great with their study in the, the book of Acts. Anyways, there's a group of disciples in Rome, but they're hurting, they're struggling, okay? So Paul wants to go and strengthen the disciples. Romans chapter 1 says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you a spiritual gift, the gospel, to the disciples, okay? Um, he wants, uh, not just for the disciples' sake, he wants to build a sending church in Rome. Rome is really the capital of the Gentile world, Okay? Have you heard all, 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 all roads lead to Rome, right? You've heard that expression. That was kind of true back, back in the day. So if all roads lead to Rome, guess what also happens with those roads? They lead out of Rome, right? And why would we need roads out of Rome? Because in Paul's mind, it's not about commerce. It's not about all these things. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about spreading the gospel. So if you can have a, 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 a strong church in Rome that's sending out disciples, you can impact the world from that one city. So he wants to build a sending church. And he himself wants to go from Rome eventually to Spain. Okay? We see that in Romans 15. He's like, I can't wait to see you, but I got to go to Jerusalem first to give the gifts to the Jews there. And then I'm going to get to Rome and I want to go to Spain. When does Paul stop, right? When you, how about Three missionary journeys, is that enough? Some of us, we do our Christian duty, and we're like, okay, that's enough. I've done my gig. Now send someone else, right? That's not the Apostle Paul. I'm just going to keep going and going. I'm the gospel energizer bunny, okay? I'm going to just keep rolling here until the day I die. All right. He's going to launch from there to Spain. Journey to a destination. I want to talk about just some this. So a few thoughts about your journey and my journey as we follow Jesus. If we are on a journey, a journey requires a destination. It would be a little odd for you to leave from here today and say, Hey, Eli, walking out the door, where are you headed? I don't know. Just going to drive. Okay. Um... Janssen, uh, I don't know 
where she's going either. She's just going to drive her car somewhere else as well. We'd be like, actually, can we talk for a little bit? <laughs> We're concerned. Are you, you okay? Right? But yet, when we're on our journey following Jesus, so often we're so caught up in all the places we're going in this physical world that we forget we're on a spiritual journey. And we says, where are you going spiritually? It's like, mm, I don't know, I'm just hanging out. I'm just kind of going for it, all right? We're running without aim. With a journey, there has to be a place that we're headed. A journey demands a destination. So a few questions for you. Where are you going spiritually? Where are you going spiritually? Where are you going with your life? Not just spiritually, even with your whole life. You know, December is upon us, and this is a time where I try to take a real healthy assessment of where has God brought me? Where am I? Where have I come from? And where are we headed toward? Individually, as a family, as in our marriage, we ask that question, where are we headed? And as a church, we must ask that question. Where have we come from? I just spent, uh, uh, we just spent a little time talking about our history and how the church started and the, the different things that have happened along the way that have glorified God. But that's just a little bit of the story, right? Where are we headed? Where are we going? And that's why I have to go to the woods, like I, I like to talk about for, you know, on my, my retreats to go in times of Bible study and prayer and silence and solitude and listening. Where is God taking us? Do you take the time to think and to pray and discern? Holy Spirit, where are you going? Where am I going? Why are you going there? Okay, We see from the, from the book of Romans why Paul wanted desperately to get to Rome. Where was he going? He was going to Rome. Why was he going there? Because I love the disciples, and I want to give them a blessing. We want to build a church. We want to send from there. And he was clear with why he was headed there. And then what are the next steps? Okay? What are the next steps? When you step, and now so when I ask Eli, Eli, where are you going? I'm going to the Nance's house because we're going to have lunch together, and I'm going to encourage that family. Okay? He knows where he's going. He knows why he's going there, and he knows what the next steps He's like, but I don't know where they live. So I got Google Maps. So give me the next step, right? Now we think, hey amen, that's, that's someone who's on a journey. All right. Journey demands answers to these questions. Where are we headed? Why are we headed there? And what are the next steps? Clarity in answering those questions brings confidence and assurance and uh, conviction to your journey. Okay, let's read on. So you think that, oh, just because I know where the journey is, then it should be all easy peasy, smooth sailing from here. Who drove last night in the snow? A few of us. How was that? Okay. I, I, it's not much snow, right? Three inches, no big deal in Wisconsin, right? Well, then why were there so many cars in the ditch in a short amount of space? Glare ice, right? Anyways, we already see a little hinting that the winds had started. I, I love the, uh, in verse 5, it says the winds were contrary. Verse 7, the winds started to travel with difficulty in 8. And now let's pick it up here in verse 9. It says, when considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, 
wait a second, if I follow Jesus, it should be smooth, it should be easy, it should make my life easier. It's interesting, in one sense, I look back 26 years of my life of following Jesus, one sense now, my life is easier because the principles of God make life go better. On, on another sense, my life is harder. Does that make sense? Because there's always resistance to a spiritual journey. So was Paul's journey to Rome smooth sailing? Well, let's listen and find out. Considerable time had passed. The voyage was now dangerous since even the fast was already over. Paul began to admonish them and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship by what was being said by Paul. Note that this changes eventually. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there. If somehow they could reach Phoenix, the harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. When a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete close inshore. But before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Uriquillo. And when the ship was in, in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables in undergirding the ship, and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Syrtis, they let down the sea anchor, and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day, we were being violently storm-tossed. They began to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. What started out as a contrary wind. You get the idea. It's just a small breeze. It then turned difficult and then turned uh, damaging as far as... Um, things and then it was dangerous and then it was uh, all hope of survival being lost hope was abandoned okay this is kind of the nature of the storms some storms are like eh, I can handle that a little uh, a little contrarian you know and we get through that and we're like yeah I'm walking with Jesus you know he's Jesus with me and I'm courageous and afraid and sometimes even those small storms can build self-reliance in us. And so God makes sure that most of the, there's certain storms in our life that are not small and drive us intentionally to the point where we reach the end of ourselves. And we must then rely on God. Okay, so let's see what happens. Verse 21, when they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in the midst and said, it's interesting, now the Apostle Paul, see this isn't a church, this isn't where he's Apostle Paul, he's a prisoner. See, when you're a leader 
you lead whatever, he's taking the lead. He's being spiritual regardless of the environment that he's in. Amen? And he loves these guys, and he's going to lead appropriately. He says, men, you ought to have followed my advice and not set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. You could interpret that as like, hope you learned your lesson. You should have listened to me a lot. I don't know if that was Paul's tenor. I don't know, maybe. Pretty forceful guy. Um, but uh, in the least, he says, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on a certain island. For when the fourteenth night came, as we were being driven about in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms, and a little farther on they took another sounding and found it to be 15 fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea, and on pretense of in, intending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion to the soldiers, Unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat, and it fell away. Till the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is your preservation, for not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and bro he broke it and began to eat. I don't know who put this verse up and when, but it must have been Travis. I think it's Travis. He's smiling. So are you kidding me? In the middle of the storm, Everyone's freaking out. They're trying to escape. Don't escape or you're not going to survive. And, you know, let's, having not eaten for 14 days, all hope had been abandoned a long time ago. And so they're just hanging on. And so what does Paul do? Let's eat. I'll say a prayer. God, thank you so much for this amazing, beautiful cruise we're on. <laughs> what is he, what? But it's the same Paul who wrote in all circumstances, all circumstances, give thanks. Wow. That's a call higher. So he gives thanks to these guys. Can you imagine that prayer? They're like, some, they're not even praying. They're just like, what is wrong with this dude? Right? But he had won their hearts, a lot of them already. You see that by them trusting him. So it says in verse 36, all of them were encouraged and they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were 276 persons. You know, a lot of these details are a testimony to the fact that Luke is with Paul, and the details point to its historicity. In other words, if you think about some historic event in your life, and you're like, oh, I think someday, it's vague. When it's very specific... Right? It points to that they didn't make this up. Amen? And 
the fact that for 2,000 years nothing has been shown historically inaccurate points that this is true. The Bible's true. Amen? Okay. All of us in the ship were 276 persons. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. When the day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind, they were headed for the beach. But striking a reef where two seas met, they ran the vessel aground, and the prow struck fast and remained immovable, but the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. That sounds cruel, but actually they're just being good centurions. They're just being, if, if a prisoner escapes, then you take on their sentence. That's how it worked in the day. Okay? So they're like, well, I don't want to die, so we have to kill them. So that none of them would swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and on, uh, and on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they all were brought safely to land. Anchor through the storm. Amen? We sang about that earlier. Um, it happened the way God said it would. It happened according to a providential, much larger thing going on that God is doing than even these people are aware of. I want to talk about journey through the storm here a little bit. The storm built, contrary winds, difficult, dangerous, damaging with great loss. The storms sometimes build in our own lives. And we, in correlation with it, the hope, as the storm builds, the hope decreases. Okay? But with, but with God, it can be different. Discouragement built from crisis to despair. Paul spoke three things into the storm for this group. Three things that he spoke. I'm going to talk about it real quickly. Number one, he said to the guys, stay strong. Secondly, stay together. And lastly, eat, to, eat some food. I w wish it would have started with an S, but I got to be truthful. It just says eat food. It says, hey, guys, stay strong. Stay strong. You know, I was watching Jordan play basketball yesterday, and it was a real breakthrough for this team. I, you know, every, I got a preacher, I got to have a sports analogy, okay? Uh, it was a breakthrough for the team because first game, they were playing a team much better than them, and they got up to a 10-0 lead, and I'm like, mm, it's all smooth sailing now, but the storms are coming, okay? Because this team, I knew, I knew some of these players, and Lo and behold, this team came back in the start, and you could just see the courage. You could see the confidence just drain from this team. And you cannot play basketball without confidence. You can play, but you just play bad. Um, that's, that describes my basketball career right there, pretty much. Anyways, um, you can see the courage just ooze out in the turnovers and the dumb mistakes and the infighting that starts to happen once the storms start to come. And they ended up losing in double overtime. And it was heartbreaking. It was so sad. And I went to see Jordan. She's walking up. And she's, you know how, she's in seventh grade. She tries to be cool and strong and whatever. And I just give her 
kind of, and I kind of like lean in and you see the tears well up, you know, and she's like, oh, you know, come here. This is a game. Uh, don't ever let it happen again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but we just talked. We talked and it's like, listen, this is part of the process. Your team, it's, you've learned to compete, but you haven't learned yet to win. But you will learn, okay? And so the next two games were, were cruise ships. They, they were easy, weren't even close, okay? But then the last game yesterday, I knew they were a two seed. They were playing a one seed from another bracket. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. And they had some players. Once again, Jordan's team got up to a big lead. I think it was 10-0 or something like that. I'm like, storms are coming. Storms are coming, but how are they going to respond? And so they made a run, tie, you know, it got super close, but then Jordan's team learned, and they handled the storm, and they kept their confidence, and they didn't freak out, and they ended up winning. Amen? All right, that's cool. The question is, in your storms, are you simply losing hope and confidence, or is your faith anchored into something greater than the circumstances of your life, than something greater than what you see. Here Paul got a message from God and said, you're going to get there, and everyone else is going to get there too. Now, God doesn't necessarily give us all that same message. I couldn't tell Jordan, you're going to win every game, just believe. That's not true. But we do have promises from God that do apply to our storms. Are you with me there? I am with you always, even in the storm. I will be with you. There's a purpose for the suffering. You may not ever know what it is, but you can know that there is a purpose for storms in your life and that God will be with you. And if you keep on journeying in the storm and stay strong, you will get through it. Amen? That's the word. Paul says, I know with confidence that the word of God will come true. That's where his confidence lied. It didn't lie in his own ability to be strong. It lied in the fact that he was weak, but God is strong. The character of God, the word of God, the power of God. That's where his strength lied. Stay strong. Second thing he spoke into the storm, stay together. Stay together. Some of them are like, you know what? I'm taking manners in my own hands. I'm off the ship. It's destined for, it's going to crash. We're all going to die. Okay, that's freak out mode. And so, okay, I'll be strong. I know how I'll be strong. I'm jumping ship, literally. And they, they get the ropes down. And Paul's like, hey, just so you know, you leave the ship, you're going to die. And at that point, they had a choice, right? What was their choice? Either I believe the word of Paul, who I don't really know, he's short, bald, kind of weird, or I believe and trust in myself. Which is it going to be? And they cut the ropes, let the little skibby go, and stayed with the ship. Nice choice. Good choice to believe, stay together. Storms can tend to separate. You know, as a, as a family... As a church, we're called to be unified. Amen? Listen, on a cruise ship, it's easy to be together. But when the storms come, we're going to be tested. And how are we going to do? How are we going to do? 
Storms in relationships, storms in marriage, storms in your families with your kids. When it's Christmas morning, we all happy together because I got what I wanted, right? Why is that thing going off so quick? <laughs> Hit the snooze button. That means I got nine minutes. Um, okay, how are we going to do? Listen, we're not on a cruise. We're in a, we're in a battleship. We're in a, we're, in a, we're in a ship going to a destination, and the storms are, are coming. Let's remember to stick together. Amen? And I say, dude, eat some food. You've been, you got all kinds of food, but you've been not eating for 14 days. Why? Well, you can only, because we're saving it for a rainy day. That's today. <laughs> Go ahead and eat some food and toss the food. God will provide, right? So, so we're so worried about the future, we don't live today. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. God will provide. No, I'm, you can, I'm not against savings, okay? That's wise. But don't be so consumed with someday something might happen that you don't even live today. So the worry of tomorrow sacrifices today. Let's stay in today. Let's live today. All right, let's eat some food. All right, and lastly, okay, I'm just going to skip. I got to skip. I'm sorry. Um, read chapter 28 on your own. They get, to, they, get to, uh, uh, they, they get to this place. Paul gets a snake on him. And so the crowd, the crowd thinks, oh, you got a snake. You're going to die because you're a prisoner. You murdered someone, and you think you got away with it, but the snake got you. And so justice is going to be done, right? And then the snake fell off, and he didn't die. And they're like, oh, you're not a murderer. You're a god. Worship you. See, that's, that's when you live for the approval of the crowd. No wonder you're insecure. Because the crowd one day will be like, oh, you're awesome. Next day, you're like, you're an idiot. You're awesome. Idiot. Awesome. Crowd, would you please make up your mind because I'm feeling somewhat unstable. <laughs> Actually, why don't we dismiss the crowd and put our security in the one who doesn't change. Amen? That is God. Okay, so that's that lesson. That's cool. Um, and then he gets to Rome and pulls the Jews together and just said, listen, I just want you Jews to know that I've done nothing against the temple, I've done nothing against our people, I'm preaching the fulfillment of the Jews and the temple and the presence of God and the Messiah, not the elimination of it, etc. And the Jews are like, well, that sounds good, we haven't heard anything bad about you. So like, okay, I guess they didn't get the letter. Um, and he preaches the word boldly, bold, bold, boldly, without hindrance. And I just want to read these last section. Let's pick it up in verse um, 24. It says, some were being persuaded by the things spoken, but others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to your fathers, saying, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears with their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Turning back to God always brings healing. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, 
they will also listen. When he had spoken these words, the Jews departed, having a great dispute among themselves. Listen, the word of God, Paul kept preaching it boldly, boldly and without hindrance. And when the word of God is preached, it is always dividing. It will divide those who listen and hear and understand in turn and those who are too dull to hear, too dull to see, and do not turn because their hearts are hard, and it will divide the sheep from the goats. That's the way the word always been, and the way it was here, Paul, and it is today, and it always will be. Therefore, we must not be a group that holds back from speaking the word of God. Amen? And if we say, I'm addicted to the praise of the crowd, I'm addicted to church growth so that more and more will come so we can feel good about ourselves and let's just kind of tamper this down a little bit more. Let's just kind of add some water to it to make it a little less spicy. Let's just kind of peace, peace, where there is no peace, whatever, so we can feel a little better about ourselves. No, no, no. Are you with me? Because it's not just the preacher that preaches the word in the church. It's every member that preaches the word. So, can we say, as the book of Acts finishes, about Paul, about us. It says, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, and was welcoming all who came to him. Okay, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness un hindered journey with unhindered boldness i don't think i don't think paul ended here oh so this is where paul stopped preaching with all boldness so the book ends no this is a to be continued ending this is a acts 29 acts 30 acts 31 acts 2001 acts 2019 ending 2018 okay right right Okay, because that doesn't change, the word doesn't change, and the spirit doesn't change. The message doesn't change. God provided the encouragement, the environment, and the unhindered boldness to Paul. Um, boldness means candid with no concealment of the truth, clear with no obscurity of expression, and confident with no fear of consequences. Unhindered means that even though Paul was bound, the word of God is not bound. The word of God is never bound by our own human limitations. Spiritual boldness will always leave the crowd divided, but those who have ears, minds, and hearts to hear will respond and join the journey themselves. How about the end? Is this the end of the book of Acts? It's the end of the book of Acts, but it's the to-be-continued of the church. It's the to-be-continued of the Apostle Paul. It wasn't even the end of Paul. He was released, went around for a couple more years, and then re-arrested, retried, reconvicted, and it was eventually executed in A.D. 64, approximately. But the church didn't stop with Paul. We moved on to the next generation. How about you and our journey? Where are you headed and why? What are your next steps? Is it stormy? Is it stormy? If it's not now, it will be. Will you keep your courage? Will you stick together? And will you eat food? Do all those three. Let God's word speak into your storm. Let's not journey with timidity, but let's journey together with unhindered boldness. Amen? Amen. This time, 
Elijah, uh, not Elijah, Isaiah, wrong prophet, is going to come and give us contribution and announcements, and we'll sing one last song, and we'll be done.